You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. God is going to show up for us, and God is going to engage with us in these stories if we're open to them. And God's going to move us to a different place than where we are right now. By sharing our stories, we enable one another and encourage one another and empower one another to have greater faith, you know. Um, and uh, I, I think there's real great hope in, in that, that these stories still continue today. Yeah, so we all have these great stories. Hey, he appeared to me also. Here's my story. Here's what happened. Take it or not, but that's what happened. There are a lot of different people that Jesus shows himself to. And it was an amazing thing, time and time and time again, how Jesus showed up. I think he's, he's looking forward to doing that today. Mother's present. Happy Mother's Day to you. I hope you get all the love and appreciation you have coming this morning. We're talking today about the ascension of Jesus Christ. And I have to confess to you as we talk about the ascension that this is a theological significant event that I never really got until recently. In fact, uh, I got to admit to you that I didn't see the relevance of it. I felt like it was a little bit cheesy, this whole idea of Jesus rising up into heaven and then the stratosphere and then into outer space and then finally making his way to heaven. I think my problem is I saw one too many passion plays in Eureka Springs where Jesus just by wire goes up. (laughs) Now before you think I'm an absolute heretic, I've always gotten the idea of the cross. I've certainly seen the significance of the resurrection but the full extent of God the Son taking his authority, his rightful place at the right hand of God the Father, I never really got that significance until I read a book by Steve Siemens, The Unseen Real. And some of the things I'm going to talk about today are allusions or quotes from that book, but the whole understanding Not just that Jesus has taken his rightful place, but because of that, we can take our rightful place and live into the authority and the power that God has for us in this life. So, uh, will you stand with me as I read these words from Acts chapter 1? These are the words of St. Luke. Luke was not one of the original apostles. He wasn't one of the original 12 disciples. He was an historian. He was a doctor. He was someone that came alongside Paul in the missionary journey. And he wrote the Gospel of Luke as an historian, and he also then writes this second book. And so we're going to jump into the preface of that book, of what Luke says originally, as we look at the account of the ascension of Jesus into heaven. So Luke writes that, In my former book, or my first book, 
I told you Theophilus, and Theophilus means friend of God. And some people think that Theophilus uh, was a literal person that Luke was writing to. I like to think that I'm a friend of God, and you're a friend of God. And so when he says, you know, in my first book, I told you Theophilus, friend of God, to us, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up into heaven. After giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit, that during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And we've been talking about for six weeks, seven weeks now, some of the appearances that Jesus made with the apostles and other people those first 40 days after his resurrection. And in these 40 days, it says, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he's alluding to Pentecost, which is next Sunday, as we celebrate and understand the significance of the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. How do you like that? <laughs> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has, taken, has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. You can have a seat. So this morning, we're recognizing that Jesus now has taken his rightful place. When he became a human being as the eternal son of God, he set aside all the rights and privileges of being God. And now he's gone back into heaven and he has taken his rightful place. And in elsewhere, in another ascension story, in Matthew's gospel, it says that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. But then he also says, you go. So if we have it on the screen, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. But he, then he says this. We've been given, we've been given that authority in heaven and on earth. And this is the ascension's significance that I never really realized before. That not only has Christ assumed that authority and power and strength as he is seated in the right hand of God the Father, where he's intercessing for us in prayer from where he will come again to judge us and the world, but in the meantime, you and I are invited to be seated with him. Look at these words of the Apostle Paul 
in Ephesians chapter 2, when he says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, now he wrote this 20 centuries ago. He didn't say in the coming age at the end of time. He says in the coming ages, in other words, in the times, in the centuries in which we live now, in this time, in the present tense, that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says also in Colossians chapter 3 that since then you have been raised with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, we've been elevated with Christ in these heavenly realms, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's the invitation. Maybe you, uh, I hope, are a believer today and you have trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you know you're a child of God and you're a believer. Would you trust Jesus also to give you the power and the authority to live life from heaven's perspective with the mind of Christ and the heart of the Spirit of God? Do you believe that is possible? Do you believe that is his invitation to you? If I could rename this sermon, I would call it Getting High with Jesus. How many of you have ever gotten high? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to answer that question. How many of you have ever gotten high? I've never gotten high on drugs. I have gotten high on Jesus. I think it's okay to get high on Jesus. I love a, a time of worship where we're able to be elevated. and you, you sense in praise in a room, in an atmosphere, that sometimes our spirits and our hearts are elevated because other people want to get high on Jesus too. I think too many times in that scripture that says, where Jesus says, lo, I am with you, we, we think he's only with us <laughs> when we're down here. But I think he really wants to raise us up. But getting high with Jesus isn't necessarily emotions. I get high on Jesus and it comes and goes. But that's not the invitation. The invitation is for us to get high with Jesus, to be seated with Jesus, to be elevated with Jesus, to see life from heaven's perspective, to have the heart and mind of Jesus. Now, some of us might say, well, we can be so heavenly-minded <laughs> that we're no earthly good. But the truth about me is, I am oftentimes so earthly-minded that I am no earthly or heavenly good. I get so bogged down in my spirit, in my problems, in, in just what's going on in the moment, that I lose this sense that I can be elevated and be experiencing the presence of God in my life continually. And not just His presence, but I'm elevated to a new way of thinking in a new way of living. And it's true that we can get so high, we can get full of ourselves, and we can be prideful, and we can be conceited. I get that. But I love the words of Oswald Chambers when he says, 
if we can have that quote, I'm jumping around. That's great, Sarah. There is more hindrance to God's people or to God's work because the people cling to a sense of unworthiness than because of conceit. There was a, a lady by the name of Gladys Hallam who was a petite, proper, retired school principal. You got her in your, in your vision <laughs> at Dale Street. That's right, Mary Peterson, Dale Street. Glad to see you today. And Gladys would look at me with her pointed finger, and she would oftentimes say, Bob, you sell yourself too short. And she may be right, that I think sometimes we sell ourselves too short about who we can be, but I know this, I have sold God too short in what God wants to do in my life in giving me authority and power and strength. I sell the gospel too short. And I am called, and you are called, to live into the deeper reality of what it means to live in the power and authority of God. So Steve Siemens uh, has this statement when we're confronting our enemies. And instead of complaining to God about how big our enemies are, we start proclaiming to our enemies how big God is. You see the difference? I am so oftentimes intimidated and fearful of the things that are, I'm confronting in my life that I need to stop complaining to God about my enemies and I need to say and confront my enemies how big my God is. Do you know the most quoted scripture in the, in the New Testament from the Old Testament? The scripture that appears the most in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that is quoted by the New Testament writers. It's alluded to 20 times in the New Testament. And the words are Psalms. These words from King David. That the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Let's leave that up there for a moment. What's the invitation? What's going on? King David, who did not know Jesus by name, says, Yahweh, the Lord, says to my Lord, and the New Testament writers are saying, Jesus is the Lord that is sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? And if Jesus, our buddy and our friend and our brother, is up there with the right hand of the Father, and we're invited to be seated with him, then we need to claim the authority and the power that God gives us to confront our enemies and to overcome. I'm personally tired of losing. I'm tired of losing to evil. I'm tired of seeing lives being destroyed. People that I love, people I care about, and people I don't even know. And that evil comes in many different forms and shapes and sizes. I want to live in the authority where I let Jesus Christ fight the battle for me. And I'm seated with him. And I'm living from his perspective and his life. Now, how does this play out in our everyday life? I love the, the movie, The Lord of the Rings. And I love the scene uh, in the first movie, and I guess it's in the first part of the book, although I've not read the book, where Gandalf the Great, 
faces down a fiery demon at the bridge. And he says to the demon, You shall not pass. You shall not pass. And I think part of the authority of what we have to recognize in our life that when the destructive forces of evil come at us, there's a time and a place where we as the believers of God need to stare down the enemy and say, enough already, you shall not pass. There are times in which we are called to stand our ground. And God is waiting and looking for us to assume that authority. Because there are moments and there are times and there are places in life where we see evil just taking over. And so one of the ways in which we live in the authority of Christ is to stand our ground and to declare, you shall not pass. So what does our enemies look like? What are we talking about here? Didn't Jesus say, love your enemies? We're not talking about, ultimately, about human beings being our enemies. But there are spiritual forces there's the demoniac. There's the reality of Satan. And you may not, in your rational, intellectual mind, accept that. You may struggle with that intellectually. I respect that if you do, but I have to ask the question. Do you have a rational explanation for the chaotic world in which we live in beyond the reality of the spiritual forces of darkness and oppression that is ruining and wrecking so many lives? I don't have a more rational reason than the understanding there are demonic and satanic forces at work of darkness that are oppressing people. And those forces come in, in different forms. There are satanic forces that are literal and figurative. Sometimes it's a figure of speech. Sometimes it's a force. It's a sense. Sometimes it's very literal. I want to share something that happened to me about a month ago. And you may think that I'm really crazy by sharing this. I'm at that wonderful time in my life where if they all think I'm too crazy, I can retire. I can say what I think. <laughs> but in the middle of the night, about a month to six weeks ago, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and there was a, just a, a very oppressive spirit and feeling in the room. And I looked up in the framework uh, in the doorway of my bedroom. I saw this evil form vertical form and I believed very strongly that I was in the presence of evil and I said to that form go to Jesus go to Jesus where he will deal with you as he wills and that form went from a vertical shape to a horizontal shape and went out the window and there are times and places where we're going to be in the presence of evil You'll know it sometimes by the squintiness of, of a person's eyes. You'll know it sometimes by the shiver of coldness that's in the room. Sometimes you will know it by the heaviness and the sense of oppressiveness that you feel, and it is real. And as Christian people, as believers, we have this authority. I'm not looking for evil. I'm not looking behind every bush. I'm not looking for evil in you. Believe me, I'm not. But sometimes it finds us. And we need to know what to do with it when it does. Another way in which evil shows up is through spiritual strongholds that grip our hearts. By, by that I mean strongholds of mindsets and, and a spirit that, 
that is oppressive and is opposing God. Strongholds is what sets ourselves up against the knowledge of God. You and I have strongholds and we have mindsets in our lives and our spirits that are opposed to the reality of God. And we have to recognize that those things can grip our hearts and take over our minds and spirits. How do you fight that off? One of the great ministries that we have at Schweitzer, and I love this church for many, many reasons, but one of the reasons I love Schweitzer is that we're a church of all generations. And this is a church that has all the different generations alive and, and active and working in this church. And Tim Smith is a dynamic leader. And what's happened in the last five or six weeks is he's had different students become the preacher on Wednesday nights. Young women and young men have given the sermon. Matt Kellerstrass is a baseball player, and he hit a grand slam the night that he spoke. And as he spoke about the reality of temptation and fighting off the forces that are against us, he prayed this prayer. And I love this prayer. May we be equipped to stand and fight the enemy, using Scripture to make him run in the opposite direction. Lord, you are so powerful. Victory is at hand. We pray that you would protect us against the schemes of the enemy and help us to flee temptation. Amen. That's a way in which we confront the reality of what's up against us and stare it down. And we break down strongholds. We have mindsets that keep us from really enjoying the communion and the fellowship and the presence of God. It was a month ago that my mother passed, and I don't really feel like I lost her. Because in the last month, I have had more communion and fellowship and closeness with my mother than the five years of dementia that she had previous to that. And it was two days before she passed that I had a communion experience with my father and my mother and my grandmother. Again, I'm at that wonderful stage in life where if you think I'm off my nut, it doesn't really matter to me. But one of the things in the creed is that we believe in the communion of saints. What does that mean? It means that we get, we get to have fellowship with each other, but we have a communion with the saints of the people that have passed by. And it's not that I look for that, but sometimes it's a gift. We live in a world where so many people are doing so many crazy things and doing seances and calling up the dead because there's an emptiness and we want to know what's going on with our loved ones. When the reality is if my mother is with the Lord and the Lord is with me, my mother is never very far away. Maybe there's a stronghold in your life right now. Maybe there's a mindset. Maybe there's a grief that you have carried long enough. And God is calling you to break that stronghold, enter into the reality of the spirit world and communion with God and just be open to the benefits of what it means to know God. One final enemy that oftentimes confronts us is infirmities and weaknesses. Sometimes we can have uh, great physical uh, challenges. And the Apostle Paul had his physical challenge. We don't know what it was. It was called a thorn in the flesh where he prayed to God three times that it would be removed and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes God does heal and I don't want to stop being a healing minister because Paul didn't have his thorn removed. But there are times when God gives us strength 
and grace to endure whatever it is instead. But weakness for me comes not so much in physical weakness, but in spiritual weakness. I oftentimes feel very spiritually weak. What do you do about that? And I've learned in the past year to invite God into that weakness. That where I am weak, his strength can really show up. And in those times when I'm feeling like I want to throw in the towel or just punt or, or not do this new thing that God's calling me to do because it's going to require something of me, God calls me to give it to him. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in southern India for 50 years. And she came across a reality that the Hindu priests were selling young women into temple prostitution. And as a Christian missionary, she was exposing this to the light. And can you imagine the demonic forces and the human forces that went up against her? And the sense of discouragement. Fellow missionaries said, do not say any more about this because the government authorities will come after us. There are many, 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 many Christians today that are in governments and nations right now that are confronting and facing that reality. And Amy Carmichael said as she was going to the Lord and saying, I'm tired, I'm weary, I can't do this anymore, that Jesus gave her a vision where she was, he was praying among the trees in India that became transformed into the olive trees. And she sensed Jesus saying, come and join me in this burden. I've been carrying it a lot longer than you have. And it transformed her whole thing because now she realized it wasn't hers to carry. She was going to carry whatever Jesus wanted her to carry, but he was carrying it. And the ascension of Christ is really an invitation for us to join him in intercession, to join Jesus in this seated in heavenly places. It's to recognize that we can have heaven's perspective that we can have the mind and the thoughts of Christ, that we can have the heart of Christ, that we can live from that vantage point where we glory in the praise of God and we confront what's going on in our life. But our deal is simply to be joined in the victorious Jesus who lives and reigns forever and invites us to sit with him in the heavenly places. As the band comes and leads us in a, into a closing time of worship, I want to just pray a prayer. So come on up, and, and once I'm done praying this prayer, you can have at it, KJ. Uh, but this is a prayer that J.D. Walt included in the daily text last Friday. And I think this prayer really says it all. And I just pray that as I pray this prayer, that this reality uh, is magnified in our worship and in your hearts today. Lord Jesus, you are right here, right now, and you will win the battle. I am sorry for always beckoning you to my side. I sense you saying it is time for me to come to your side. Show me the way 
beyond my own thin agenda that I may enter into your prayer life and step into the real battle where all you do is win. Right here, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. Amen.